Hi, I am Nicole J. Georges. I am a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist living in Portland, Oregon with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. <coughs> Welcome to our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Today on Sagittarian Matters, I drink mushroom coffee with my friend Morgan Grenstein Helvey. Then, John Jennings joins me to talk about representation in comics and his graphic novel adaptation of the Octavia Butler classic, Kindred. Stay tuned. Morgan Grenstein Helvey. Hello. Who are you? Uh, such a good question. How do you identify? <laughs> Mostly human. <laughs> Mostly. A good friend. Human, good friends, vegan expert, mm-hmm. vegan baker, mm-hmm. vegan food wizard. Wizard? Yeah, probably. Why not? Hoarder? Uh, trying not to be. <laughs> Working through that one. <laughs> we, you brought some mushroom coffee to my house today. Uh-huh. Where did you get this? Free from my job at the grocery store. It's only the strangest of products make it into our free basket. <laughs> Are these the things that no one else at the store wants to take home with them? Or perhaps someone returned it because they thought it was disgusting. Okay, this is mushroom coffee. Mm-hmm. It's instant coffee powder, mm-hmm. but it has wildcrafted chaga mm-hmm. and cordyceps, mm-hmm. which are both mushrooms, which I heard is the world's first superfood. Even before the acai berry. <laughs> and before spirulina. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that like what the world was generated from? Spirulina like green slime? Yeah. Yeah. That was Eve. Mushrooms were there first. Mushrooms were there. We were here first. We were first. Okay. Mushroom coffee. You're chugging it now. Into it. I've totally done a 180. I'm into it now. On first taste, what was your thought? Mm. First taste. Burnt toast. Dirty coffee maker. But you know what? That sort of fades away. Just like when you've been sitting in a diner for like two hours and you're like, you know what? Fill it up again. I feel great about 15 cup. Let's do this. This is like airplane coffee. Yeah. That dirty filter taste yeah. is like air. Mm. It's like when you order coffee on the airplane. I just finished mine just Which so you know. I've just recently stopped getting coffee on the airplane because recently it's been tasting like they filtered it through a dirty sock. <laughs> and I'm not... You know, I'm not a snobby. I'll drink lots. I mean, I'll drink lots of things. I'm ordering coffee on the airplane, and I'm just like, man, it's like a used pad. They just like, sure, <laughs> that's why I'm not drinking it. And that's why I'm not drinking it. She says mushroom coffee. I kind of get it. I'm not sure. If, if... I was traveling, I would totally throw those in my suitcase. Would you? Mm, yeah. The company said that they did it because indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That, that so some, some people drink mushrooms in a hot beverage, and Americans have a hard time doing that, so why not throw it in their coffee? Why not and hide also, it in a possi- potentially pleasurable experience. Why not ruin potential pleasure? Instant coffee power. Where did the coffee come from? What kind of coffee? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, Fully Folgers. Quadris, quadriceps. Cordyceps. Chaga. <laughs> also, it has. You're working out your cordyceps. I'm working my cordyceps, but also it has sexy. Mm hmm. It will charge your libido. Yeah, through the and roof. So what would you Sorry, rather do before already. a date than take a supplement? <laughs> Have some nice 
mushroom coffee breath so you can go and make out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, here's your sex plan. First, First, mushroom coffee. Get seven ounces of boiling hot water. Boil that water. Sue, open this packet of powdered mushrooms and Folgers. Mm-hmm. Put it in your mug. Three, pour the hot water in there. Four, wait for it to cool down so you don't burn your tongue. Right, because that ruins it. Drink it, then floss, then brush again, then use some scope. Oh, cool. By the Brandy. time you're done, <laughs> by the time you're done doing all those things, you're going to be ready to have intercourse. You definitely will. We brought one other thing to try that's going to help our intercourse experience too. So get excited. Stay tuned. John Jennings is a scholar, an artist, a festival organizer, and someone I know through teaching at California College of the Arts. We recorded this podcast at my apartment in San Francisco the week after John accepted an Eisner Award for his book, The Blacker the Ink, Constructions of Black Identity in Comics and Sequential Art. I had him on to talk about his graphic novel adaptation of Octavia Butler's sci-fi feminist classic, Kindred, a story about a black woman in the late 70s being time-traveled back to the pre-Civil War South. Octavia Butler said, I wasn't trying to work out my own ancestry. I was trying to get people to feel slavery. I was trying to get across the kind of emotional and psychological stones that slavery threw at people. I, Nicole, have seen the test proofs for John's adaptation of this classic, and I cannot wait for it to exist, coming in January. You can find John Jennings online, pre-order Kindred now, and please enjoy conversation with scholar John Jennings. I am here in San Francisco with John Jennings. Hey. Hi. How are you doing? Good. And producer Panyo's here. Uh, she's doing the levels. She's overseeing things. Giving me cues. She's giving awesome. you cues. She's very good at cues. <laughs> with her paw, she's like, three, two, <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> yes. John Jennings, you just won an Eisner Award. I am, yes, I did, well, along with my uh, co editor, uh, Francis Gateward. You, know? you got it for The Blacker the Ink. The Blacker the Ink, yes. And it's, uh, it was best scholarly and academic work in comics, which is actually not an oxymoronic thing, right? <laughs> so yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it's a, it's a book um, from Rutgers University Press, mm-hmm. um, and it's about black identity in comics, and it was. Uh, a collection of essays. It took us about five years to make it, and very excited, mm-hmm. and still a little shocked that we won. <laughs> not to say it's not an awesome book, but you know, anyway. Yeah. yeah. But you're yeah. a scholar of comics. Yeah, we do. I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I am. It's kind of weird that I am, but yeah, I kind of fell into that. But yeah, I study race and intersectionality in comics, as far as like different types of identity and representation. And uh, yeah, that's what I do. A part of what I do. So. And that's what you're here for. That's right. <laughs> Hold on. Producer Ponyo, come here. Ponyo's Producer right. Ponyo. She's, she's putting out fires. There's, there's, there's like technical. All right. Things. All right. <laughs> she's sorry. She's, she's got some notes for us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she just brought in a, a plastic frisbee and started shaking it on her head. Okay. She had some notes. She was like, okay. She said, talk more about the race and representation class. Right. So you're, the thing of, one of the things I think is really special about CCA is mm-hmm. that you're here teaching race and representation in comics. Right. And I don't think a lot of programs have that. And I don't think a lot of comics 
concerns itself with being critical about representation. That's right. Which is a, a failing in comics for me. Yeah, specifically because comics are so based in representation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to a certain degree, they use, like, I mean, co- comics use symbols and are learned socialized constructions of images to tell stories. So you really need to have something about the rhetorical strategies or how you talk about visual culture in comics. It just makes sense, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I It really rubs off on the students. Yesterday I had students in my class and they had to give feedback to other students and a lot of their feedback was about representation. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of... Um, like straight white guys talking to other guys, being like, "Hey, that thing you just proposed, I wouldn't do that." I wouldn't do that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, so we fetched it a little bit. Yeah, it's like, no, maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> so, is that a lot of your classes just telling people that's not a good idea? Um, sometimes it, I guess I guess what it is is, is to make people um, aware of, yeah. of, of and, and responsible. You know, and that's something that I you know I teach graphic design as well. I have taught graphic design as well, and. Um, I think a lot of times we're so we're so concerned with getting the job done, we don't think about like the audience and who this actually is made for, that kind of thing. And then also, we take for granted that we know someone just because we've you know we've we've been exposed to these stereotypes, typical stereotypical uh, representations. And so yeah. I think getting at those ideas is something. I just want them to leave with an open mind about how you know how people rep- represent across the board. You know, yeah. and of course I focus on race because I'm I'm a black. I'm a black scholar, and, I'm, yeah. and I deal with black images. But those types of ideas can be easily uh, projected onto various types of identity politics, right? Mm-hmm. It just—I don't—I just want you to be aware, you know. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, you know. So. Well, in my class, a lot of what we've been talking about this year, and also with Mariko Tamaki's talk, was yes, writing <laughs> people who are different than you yes. and how to do it. Mm-hmm. Because I have students all across the board. Uh, that want to draw, they're like, I want to draw a comic about moms, but I don't really know any moms or lesbians or you yeah. know people that are a different race or gender or sexuality than them. Or you know, or belief structure, yeah. you know, about, uh, political affiliation, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I know before when I was on a panel about intersectionality, with do you know this one, Mickey Kendall? I don't actually know. She's really cool. Okay. But she <laughs> she basically and the, the consensus we came to was like, well, you just have to ask. You have to find that kind of person, right. more than one. Yeah. Talk and to either hang out with them and then write or write it and then bring it to them and say. Does this is this okay? You know that's kind of actually it's funny you mentioned that because one of my favorite essays about that is by Daniel Jose Older. It's mm-hmm. called well, it's called writing the other to a certain degree and yourself in in parentheses. But it was for, it was a BuzzFeed article that he wrote, mm-hmm. and one of the first things he says is like, you know what, you gotta mess up. He used another word. He's like, you kind of screw up. He used another word, but uh, but he's like, but once you do that, once you you know, knowing that you're gonna like get something wrong, don't be caught up in your you know your uh, um, arrogance to think that you can you can actually speak for someone else. Like you're saying, like get feedback, do your research, ask people outside of your comfort zone or, or your particular group, and really try to get it right. You know, and yeah. It, 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 at least try to understand that you, or at least understand you're never going to get it right, but you can actually like have the bravery to, to try. And then sometimes at the end of it, maybe you shouldn't. That's another thing too. He is the end of it. Like people, people kind of start that. He says, "I want to know that people understand that maybe sometimes you shouldn't do it." You know. He actually um, was kind enough to call into our our class. Actually. So oh really? We, I love I love assigning 
uh, pieces and then actually having an author, yeah. like, you know, uh, talk to the court, to the class. I love that, you know. Yeah. So I just know some really, and he's an amazing writer. Um, and there's like a lot of like really amazing uh, magical realism mm-hmm. work, you know, and uh, set in, you know, in urban spaces. So yeah, anyway. So. Cool. Daniel Jose Older. Great guy. Mm. Yep. When do you think is the line when people should just not do it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess if it's, that's a good question, actually. You know, I really, I'm really struggling with that with another piece, right? Where, where we have uh, my, my friend Damien and I and my friend David Brain were working on this piece about a, like a trans superhero, um, mm-hmm. trans woman. And, um, you know, we there's this particular piece. It is a, it's a revenge oriented space. You know, it, it it is it deals with trauma in a particular way, and uh, she is assaulted and then it actually actually is killed and then like possessed by this kind of reaper spirit. But we're like, do we show the trauma in a particular way? Are, are we adding to violence against transgender women? You know, or are we? What do we do? You know, are we actually? So so we actually stopped. You know, mm-hmm. do, we really, like, do we need to go do more research? Do we need to think about this this action sequence more, um, or are we like um, projecting a type of fragility upon that community by not because that's shown a lot? Like when you see like a you know a Dirty Harry movie or something like that, those types or any type of exploitation movie because it's kind of based in that stuff, right? Yeah. You know, you do show that violence, and then but are you adding to the violence by showing it? And so this is something that we were actually asking ourselves. It seems very we responsible. Ch- well, I mean, I think that you know when you're dealing with uh, with situations and and people that you're you know that you're not necessarily of that community, it's your responsibility. And I'm thinking for across the board, like yeah. you know, I'm not a woman, you know, and I want to talk to women about how I'm representing them. You know, yeah. it just makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, because I want you know women to read our work. You know, that can I want someone from whatever background to read the work and, and, and see themselves in it properly, right? Yeah. Because I know, I think, I think this, is some, and this is something that comes up in the class a lot, you know, I think that if you're speaking from a spot, of, uh, um, a, a, a space of disenfranchisement of any kind, that if you're really paying attention to it, you start to see your kinship with everyone. You say, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I don't think that you can be like, you know, pro-black or part of the Black Lives Matter movement and not see it being part of all movements and understand that this is a social movement that is intersectional in nature and then therefore you should do research and understand it with brethren and that the struggle is actually like common, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing and, and that's what happened to me. It's like, oh, well, I'm studying race. But I was like, well, well hell, I, I have to study women and gender studies now. I have to study like some queer studies now. I have to study like, you know, social issues around around class and that leads you to the prison industrial complex. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, it's all connected, right? Yeah. It's just not that little piece, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, those are the kind of discussions that we have, right? Yeah. That's so cool. I hope so. I mean, I'm glad those discussions are happening. <laughs> yeah. That's what the whole class is about, is just thinking about those notions, you know? So, Like yeah. the idea that the next generation of cartoonists, no matter if they are disenfranchised or not, yeah. can have that in their mind and think about that, mm-hmm. making socially conscious work. Right. Or aware, at least. Oh, at the very least. I mean, I just want people to question, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, you know, even if you go ahead and do it, just I just want you to know that, or or, or even have the, the foresight to, like, if you're going to do something that's problematic, then at least do it, you know, with some type of, um, you know, some knowledge under your belt so you can make it problematic on on purpose yeah. so you can have conversations, yeah. right? Because yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's like if, as long as you're having conversations about it, 
then that's the only way we learn from each other. You know, yeah. a lot of times we're all cloistered together, and the only time that we actually like have any kind of connection with people is through media. Mm-hmm. So it's resp- that's why you have to be responsible. You know, because we're making. I mean, some people won't even go further than the stuff that they're watching on television or, or reading, you know? Well, there's different kinds of people that you just would never... I was trying to think of an example of this the other day, the idea that, like, the people you see in the media become, like, your version of knowing that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of an example, and it was hard to, and I wanted to be like, okay, you know, like, when you when you think of meth heads, like, you think of Breaking Bad, like, that now is shorthand for meth heads or a mm-hmm. certain kind of person that might be the only meth head that you will encounter because you don't live in Oregon mm-hmm. uh, but like that kind of thing is you know then if you take that yeah no no scale. it's totally true yeah but what I want to talk about is something that's coming up around the bend which is a book that you did based on Kindred the Octavia Butler book Yes. Which you adapted. With, Dam- with Damien Duffy. Damien Duffy uh, did the heavy lifting with the adaptation. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um, you drew it. Yes. All of it, all the inking, all the coloring, he lettered it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we just finished it, like, not too long ago. And Holy shit. Yes, exactly. Oh, we can cuss on this? Yeah. Oh, good shit. You can cuss. Okay. I was like, woo, okay. Shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. exactly. I was wondering about yeah. that. I was like, you know, he said, like, you might fuck up. That's what, so yeah. that's what, that was what I was trying to say. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so, like, he, he was saying all kinds of things. He was yeah, talking he about kind of Blue Streak. Yeah. Um, so you adapted Kindred, which is, can you summarize kind of what it's about? Okay, so uh, the book by the amazing uh, late uh, Octavia Butler, um, she's, first thing is like she was an amazing fantasy and science fiction writer, and a lot of times she dealt with uh, social issues around race, feminism, and with class, actually, mm-hmm. through science fiction, it was just amazing. And she was the first science fiction writer to win the MacArthur Genius Grant, actually. And is uh, highly celebrated but, uh, by a certain, you know, by people who really know sci-fi know who she is, right? Mm-hmm. But, and this is something that my friend Sean Taylor wrote about in, on Fusion.com, and she's never had anything adapted into, like, film or, like, television. I mean, there's, there's something in, in the works now, but, you know, she's kind of unsung to a certain degree, so mm-hmm. that's why this project is such a big deal. I think I know um, about her from working at the feminist bookstore. Yeah, exactly. Because feminists and lesbians also claim her. She's connected to that's that's what's so wonderful about you know her work is that it's it it by its very nature is in a, is, is is intersectional. Like she deals with all this stuff because she was brilliant, you know. You do a comic. Each page takes you a pretty long time because you have to con- you have to read the work or write the work. You have to conceptualize how it's going to look. You have to draw it a few different times, and then you have to actually commit it to ink. So and you're it, spending. You're like immersing yourself. Constantly. Like, it's kind of like when I'm drawing a picture, I find myself unthinkingly making the face of what I'm drawing, the facial expression I'm drawing. Oh, yeah. Because I'm having to embody it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea of doing a traumatic project. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. which I've done in a a different kind of way, in a more Mm -hmm. personal, not like an overarching way. Mm -hmm. It's just, when you do it, it's like, I mean, I always liken it to like putting on the ring from Lord of the Rings. Like when Frodo was like, yeah, yeah, like, that's right. It is like that. Like yeah. where you've like fallen back and everything around you is like it's sketchy. Split open. And, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's abstract and weird and, and you're like absorbing just everything. Like I, you're living it. Yeah. yeah to you, draw it. Yeah. I, I always tell my students like, you know, the graphic designers I teach, it's like you become a walking wound on purpose. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You filter through a lot of different emotions, you know, and yeah. it's your, it's almost like it's your responsibility to pick out the right 
way to get across some of the most horrific shit, you yeah. know, so if, then, if it's necessary, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So then what did you, how long did this take you, and then what did you do to keep your sanity? You know, I listened to, uh, the first thing is, like, um, once we really, really got going, there was some there was some hiccups with editorial stuff at first that we worked out. And once we got up and running, um, it was under... It was like a little bit under a year to do the entire project. It's a 240-page, full-color graphic Which novel. Which is... Uh, that's a crazy thing to do in under a year. It's insanity. And it just worked out that way. I actually took time off from teaching, but because of the scheduling, it fell right back when I was teaching in the most mm-hmm. busiest semester that mm-hmm. could I possibly imagine. Yeah. You know? And it was it was torturous. I mean, so... Did you have to work on it every single day? Uh, yes. And sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I couldn't. But yeah, I tried to work on it every single day. Um... Yeah, so first of all, we did like a, I broke down the entire. Once Damien uh, got the script, um, you know, uh, signed off on by Abrams Comic Arts and our editor Sheila Keenan, who's amazing by the way. She's just a wonderful, wonderful human being, and you know, and, a, and it's an extremely professional and super smart uh, editor. You know? mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we worked together to get this together. We worked really quickly, worked in batches, and we got it sketched out first. Uh-huh. Damien lettered it. You know, Ooh. he lettered it like three or four times <laughs> because mm-hmm. because every time because you know, he's lettering sketches, right? So yeah. that's not the final stuff. Sometimes it's like stick figure. Yeah. Oh, it's a guy who looks kind of like a dude whipping another body, whatever, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So what you're saying is like really true. It's like every time you make a pass at it, you have to reify it and make it more concrete every time. And so, you know, first it's a stick figure, right? Then it's a drawing. And then you make it more realistic with the ink. And then you give it the color. And yeah. you got to figure out like, what, like, like how, what color bruise is this going to be? Or would this lip look like that from being smashed with this fist? It's like, it's that kind of like, yeah. you know, um, and you're trying to make it, you know, so it's palatable by like young readers and people going to see this, but at the same time, understand that this body is being torn apart, that this person is being traumatized. And I had to draw like several whipping scenes and, yeah. you know, verbal abuse and, you know, women being like attacked and, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's hard, you know. And actually, honestly, there was one particular scene when Dana first goes, when she goes back the second time that she actually witnesses um, and, and a, a man uh, who she's, uh, you know, who, who is a slave, you know, who is um, being whipped, you know, brutally, you know, for it seems like an eternity, and so she's she's feeling his pain. You know what I'm saying? I'm not feeling her pain. It's like yeah. we're living through a, through this uh, this really traumatic moment. I avoided actually coloring that scene and drawing that scene for a long time because for something about it really disturbed me, and maybe it's because of how she reacted to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and her just having to watch it. Yeah, and and to hear him cry out, and and she could almost like smell his sweat, and and he was like begging. It's just a really horrible scene. Yeah, you know. And, um, yeah, it was painful. And I saved it for last because I just wasn't ready to go back to it, you know? Yeah. And there were also scenes where, you know, I'm actually, you know, I, they're literally like I'm crying onto the paper. Yeah. <laughs> so I use Sharpies mm-hmm. to, to, to ink with uh, for this particular project. Yeah. And they're indelible, thank God, because I was like, <laughs> they're like dripping tears onto <laughs> the paper. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna take a break. You know, so it I was did like, that too. Yeah, it was I, really bad. I cried while really I'm drawing bad. something. It's like, yeah, because you're like, what am I doing this to myself? <laughs> oh, you know, like you chose this. You're like, I read this book, and, and then I was like, I understood this book, and I was like, I'm gonna 
Okay. I'm going to painstakingly draw everything. Like every, you know, <laughs> and my style is really frenetic, you know, and like one thing that um, uh, Abrams, people are able to say is that it fit the, the story so well because it's kind of abstract and weird and it's, yeah. it, it vibrates. It looks like I have a, like a really sketchy hand, you know, so I think it fits the narrative well, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was traumatic and it was, uh, it was a lot of work. I felt like we were enslaved, you know, to a certain degree. Because you can't had, stop. We can't stop making the work, you know. And if you stop, it's just going to be worse for you in the long run. And, and I mean, I don't know if you think of it that way, but I for do. me, I'm like, because people are like, just take a break. I'm like, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. If I take a break now, I'm doing myself a disservice in the future. That's right. You don't understand. And the other thing is that it's, uh, you know, you're punishing. It's almost like you're torturing yourself because if you, because I'm doing all the work, right? So I'm drawing it, inking it, and so... I'm, it's one particular point when uh, it was at the end of it when we were getting ready to do the advanced readers copy for ALA, the black and white stuff, and it was like some of it was sketchy or whatever, but it's pretty much done at this point. Yeah. Black and white. I had to do like, you know, editing and stuff. And I'm in a lot of pain. I actually did a got a pinched nerve working on the project because I was doing like a lot of edit, like um, graphic design stuff where you're clicking instead of yeah. just drawing. It's cool to draw. You know, with the stylus, but when you're like doing like the moving around and doing like borders and all this kind of stuff, the graphic design stuff, it can really just wear you out. It's, it's a big book. Yeah. So, um, I was I was averaging like I was coloring like five pages a day. You know what I'm saying? Which I think is a lot actually. Yeah. But um, I did the, I did the hard math and I was like, I'm not going to make this deadline. You know what I'm saying? It was really I don't despair. I'm pretty, I'm a pretty like happy-go-lucky person for the most part yeah. and you know I work hard and I know it takes a lot to do and a lot of times I'll pull it out you know yeah but opening up that file and looking at all those uncolored pages and looking and looking at the deadline mm-hmm. I I despaired I was in I was it was just one I remember the night I was like <laughs> it was like two o'clock in the morning I hadn't slept I had done like maybe I had done my five pages and it was just a sea of uncolored pages and I was in such pain, and I was exhausted, and I was, you know, I thought I was going to let everybody down. It was so oh bad. God. It was so bad, you know. And I, it was really crazy is that I, I had to go, I was doing, I was working with my friend Cynthia Oliver on a project called Virgo Mandem, and it's about, like, uh, black masculinity, like Caribbean masculinity, you know. Cool. And I was doing some image consultant stuff, and so I flew to, I had to go to Florida. This is before I had to go to Florida. And I got the idea, I've never used flatters before. What's a flatter? A flatter is a, is like an assistant that actually helps with color. So, you know, if you're coloring in Photoshop, a mm-hmm. lot of times you're working in layers. And so you have the flat color that's under the image. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is like you're using you know, a flatter. is kind of like a production assistant that puts in just the flat colors. Like, like if you color a coloring book, you're doing flats, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. And though I'll go back and I'll render it in my style, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it's extremely helpful. I had never used flatters before. I went down. I did the thing with Cynthia. Uh, it was great. She said she paid me enough money that I could actually hire like four flatters. That's so cool. Former students, primarily, and then my friend Tim Fielder. And with them helping me, we colored that book in three weeks, which is crazy. And because that's a huge book. Yes, it is. And we were it. My 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 productivity. I worked. It it tripled almost my my coloring wow. pages. So we're talking like thirteen to fifteen pages a day. Whoa. And then did you guys have to work? Sweat, you did know? you have to work together or did they just send you the files and you could do it on your own? Yeah, what happened was um, I broke them up into folders according because there's color coded stuff. Like, I saw, so for us, someone just did night scenes, someone did just like present scenes, 
you know, and because there's a color system, you yeah. Know? And actually, just sent them like color tests and like you know picked out colors and stuff for characters. Mm-hmm. And I just sent them off as, as batches, and they started just. And we use Google 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 Drive, you know, and we sent it through Gmail and stuff uh-huh. like that. And went down, and they would just send send me the flats, and I would send them back what they sent me, and they were like, "Whoa," you know. So That's... it was a great production. It taught me a lot about like my limitations and about, but also that. You know, I can trust people to help with these projects. You know, yeah, and, and that's it's changed the way I thought about it. it. It was a really big step for me as a producer of, of, of art. You know, mm-hmm. and I totally get it. I totally understand why you have to sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how did you? Because you have a wife and a child. Well, I, we, we have. A, we're, we're getting. We're adapting. Adopting our nephew. You know. Yeah. So Alex. Yeah. 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 So yeah, technically, I guess yeah, we do. Or he's he's around. he's around. He's around. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. But how did you like? So you're like living in this trauma. You're like having these moments where you're drawing like horrible whipping scenes, or you're having to like get into Dana's mindset yeah, while yeah. these I mean, terrible things attempt, are happening. It's an attempted uh, sexual assault. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, so. how did you get out of that to interact with other humans? Or it was difficult. I think honestly, my students saved me a lot. You know, because mm-hmm. I was teaching and I was working with other things. Um, you know, uh, you know, my wife made me go on. She made me go on vacation in the middle of working. Or she made me go on vacation. Like I took a cruise, I'm oh, freaking out. What? I was yeah, like, I can't have this yeah. I was like, I was like, ah. And I had to negotiate to take my sketchbook. You know, oh, she's God. like, all right, we can bring that, but you're not, you know, you're I gonna love, go. I love her. This she's a toy. I do too. She's awesome. And then like, uh, it was some crazy stuff. Like for instance, there was a couple. There was two events. Like I had to, I had to we had to drive to Chicago, and I had to be in this panel at C2E2. Mm-hmm. And so my friend Stacy Robinson, who I just adore, he's one of my former, he's one of my best friends, and he actually also was a former student of mine, and he is also part of Black Kirby, you know, mm-hmm. our uh, artist collective. You know, he helped to want to drive down, you know, so I could just draw the entire trip down, you know, because it's like eight hours. Like so were you sitting hours. in the back seat just drawing? Just drawing in my lap, yeah. That's, but so then was it... Yeah. They were trying to talk to you, and you're like, "Shut up!" Or like, yeah, yeah. No, and, and the dog is in there, yeah. and like his two kids are there. So we had this in our in our like you know little minivan thing, whatever, driving to Chicago back and forth. You know? Yeah. And he went, and I had to go back the next weekend because I had to go to a wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, "Stacy, we need your help. I need to draw while this is happening." You know. And so yeah, I drew like I don't know how many pages in my lap, you know, um, in the car driving back and forth to Chicago, from Buffalo to Chicago for various reasons. Whoa. It was insane. Do you feel like you worked through something by doing the book, or do you feel like you just opened up? Like, were you able to, like, open yourself up and then stitch yourself up at the end, or are you just kind of still it disrupted, an open It wound? disrupted a lot of things for me. I was working on other projects. It actually pushed back a lot of pro- other projects mm-hmm. um, that are actually dealing with particular types of darker subjects, too. Um... I think it, it, it taught me a lot about pro- my own process and what I love to do. And, like, I fell back in love with, like, drawing stuff by hand. and Because I had to draw. I had to use Sharpies because I don't have, like, an iPad Pro. Yeah. And I was traveling a lot, and I needed to get the work done. Yeah. And so I was like, I need to draw. I need to ink this with a pen, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. So what I do is, like, I'll ink with a Sharpie. I get the stuff with a Sharpie, take a picture of it, send it to myself, and then download it. And so a lot of people realize, but, you know, scanning takes a lot of damn time. It's a long time. You yeah. Know? And it takes a lot of like patience, and sometimes it's crooked or whatever. You got to get the it's, it's no ridiculous picture. Take the picture, send it to yourself at the highest resolution that you can. I mean, the highest like you know um, dimension. You mm-hmm. know, that image is is like thirty by forty inches. That's really cool. It's big, 
You know. Yeah. So when you take it into a three hundred or six hundred, you know, um, resolution file, it actually looks really good. It actually holds up. So all the work in there is actually like pictures that I took on my iPhone that I sent to myself. And I stumbled across that because of another deadline. I had a big project I was working on. It was a massive drawing. I had to get it into the computer. So what I did is I turned myself into a human stat camera. So I just stood over the top of it and shot it. I was like, this is great. And I, and I totally hit the deadline. That's so cool. But I, well, the thing is, like, thanks. And it's what I love about it is that, you know, we're taught as designers to be problem solvers. You know, yeah. say, okay, how can I get this done? How can, how can I make it look the best way I can? I need to get it done fast. It's got to look good. And it's got to be on time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Anyway. So, so you I, came out of it with this cool new way of doing it to make it not more laborious for yourself. That's right. And also learning to trust other people in my process, you know. So mm-hmm. that's the other thing, too. And also at the same time, that's a, that's a form of mentorship, too, which I'm really big about. So, yeah, that's yeah. actually part of teaching and, and passing down um, information. You know? mm-hmm. I keep thinking about different students that I want to hire to help me scan my book yeah but it's so slow that like i i had talked to a student i was like from like last year being Mm. like okay maybe in october of 2015 yeah you're gonna come to portland and help me do this thing and now it's you know july august of 2016 and i'm I'm like i think i kind of know the month when i am gonna be ready for this i'm not even ready yet it's a laborious process you know and um i'm always trying to figure out ways to hack into it you yeah. know, like for instance, one of the things that I did is I drew like uh, I draw like panel by panel instead of page by page. I'll break down the page. You yeah. Know? But I'll draw. It's faster for me to just draw a big ass drawing. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So each. So. Which is a, it's an opposite. Like Alec, you know, worked on basewood, which was giant, and yeah. afterwards he got frustrated with it, so he taught himself to draw small. Mm-hmm. I did my last book giant, and I thought for this one I was going to go smaller, but I just drawing big. It's really satisfying, and it doesn't yes, it hurt is. my hands. It's, 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 exactly, it's not. Hurt, it hurts my hands. I can draw small, but it does. It's, it's hard. Yes, right. And also, too, you know, you can draw with your body more. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So a lot of times, you know, you get like a lot of stuff with your hands because you're drawing with just your hands. Yeah. You know? But if you're drawing bigger, you can draw with your shoulder, your your body. So actually, a lot of times, honestly, I would feel like I've done an ab workout from drawing because I draw. Yeah. My body, you know, and so I would go to bed like someone had punched me in the stomach, but yeah. from from hours of drawing. So your core is like I'm drawing. You're working out your core exactly because I draw like you know yeah. the body like you're almost like doing a you know workout you know yeah. But um, I've been like, big get, like that. getting up on my drawing board, like standing yeah. up almost, like hoisting myself up on the drawing board. To yeah, do it. yeah. It's a physical. It's a thing. It's a very like blue collar like physical. I mean, you can't escape it. No, like, know. the thing we're doing here is, like, part trade school. That's right. Part art school. And it's a lot of, like, you know, conceptual stuff. And it, comics are such an amalgam of different things, you know. You have to master or almost master or be at least fucking, like, you know, have some type of uh, uh, nature of an adeptness at, uh, at a lot of different skills, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and... Shoot, I'm still learning so much about it, you know. Me too. I just yeah. I just referred to myself as a lifelong learner in yep. a podcast. Yep. The first time I heard that term, I thought it was so hokey and stupid. But now I really, I am a lifelong learner. And the more that I can open myself to pick up yeah. stuff from other people and not be like, no, I know everything. Nope. The better you know, you never the better like it is. The, you know, um, you know I, I, always, I love that phrase, to teach is to learn twice. Yeah. You know, you learn more and more from the students. Like the students teach you a lot. And that's really wonderful. But also, like, you know, from practicing, you learn more about process and you learn more about, like, your own 
comfort level about how you're working and, and what makes your work special, you know? Yeah, I think we're always trying to figure that out, you know? Yeah. And you have to embrace the specialness of your work and say, yeah. you know what? I love, I can be inspired by something, but my work doesn't have to look like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I, at one particular point, had given up on comics. You know, I, really? I just thought it was, yeah, I thought it was just like, I don't draw like, you know, superhero stuff you know my my work is really quirky it's I had that like, moment too in yeah. middle school I stopped I mean, this was in middle school but I stopped drawing because right. I tried to draw like superheroes and I couldn't do it yeah and I was like most people off. most people do that and that's actually like why people stop drawing it's like they feel there's a certain level of like mastery that they think they should have at a certain mm-hmm. level and it doesn't look and that's actually what you know statistics say like you know that's actually what stops folk you know Usually it's around 11 or 12. That mm-hmm. kind of, it's like, mm, that's not how you draw things. Or you get interested in, like, cars or boys yeah. or whatever. Well, it was yeah. until I, you know, I was like, I like the thing, you know, like, you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. And so I found diary comics like King Cat or things that were drawn simply. And I was like, yeah. oh. Yeah. Or like James Pachalka. And beautiful. Yeah, exactly. That's, and, and, and powerful, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, there's powerful, oh, there's power in that simplicity, you know what I'm saying? And so... Um, my work is very influenced by like woodcut and like you know uh, printmaking processes and horror comics and there's a little bit of Steve Ditko in there there's a little Will Eisner in there there's a little Frank Miller it's like yeah. it's my there's a lot of different things and my hand you know uh, is is my hand you know what I'm saying yeah. and so I love I love the fact that working with ink actually brings that back out yeah and kind of like destabilizes uh, the image a lot you know mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll leave it you know I leave the mistakes a lot too you know mm-hmm. and I have you know, but I don't know. It's something about it that feels good to me. Yeah. You know, and I, so yeah, I guess I did work through some things. You know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it seems like people really like the book so so far. It looks so we'll beautiful. I just saw much. the color proofs. Thank you very much. It looks great. I'm I can't excited wait. about it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hold it in my hands, and you know, it's just a really serious honor to. Yeah. Because she was such a wonderful human being, you know, and I wish that I, I wish that I could have known her, you know. Yeah. But to a certain degree, I feel like she was there with us working on it, you know. Damien yeah. was like, I feel like she was like, how dare you <laughs> cut out my words, you know, that kind of thing. But I felt like she was there, like going, like, hey, you know what, it's gonna be okay, you know. Um, thank you for doing this. I, I don't know. I just felt like this kind of presence, you know. The other thing is that I felt uh, I, I, I used like a lot of. I would I would binge watch stuff and I listen to a lot of music mm-hmm. that actually like saved me, you know. I was doing like some really crazy hours, you know, and um, and my 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 wife my wife was a book widow, like a serious book widow. Well, I always yeah. ask people what do they think it's like to date a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. As a cartoonist, what is your perspective on what it's like to be the wife of a cartoonist? Oh my god! The idea she of a book like, widow, yeah, where it's just like you're gone. It's like when someone's like when people talk about dating someone who's in grad school, yeah. And then they just know that's like a weird make it or break it thing, and they're super busy. And we missed each other, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? There was a lot of like, you know, uh, yeah, I just didn't see her, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, you know, she'd have to get up for work the next day, and I would be just exhausted because I came to bed at 4.30, you know, in the morning. Um, yeah, it was difficult, you know? Yeah. And, um, and a lot of it wasn't, it was just because of scheduling issues and stuff had to be done. You know, we had to get the... Uh, we had a series of like rolling deadlines that were just brutal, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And seemingly impossible. You know? Yeah. But some kind of way, you know, it got done. And it seems like people are really engaged with it. So that's yeah. great, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's worth, does it feel worth it? Oh, yeah. It looks worth it to me. It does. It, does. it is worth it. It's great to finish it. It's, it's really wonderful. I'm curious to see what people think about it. Um, you know, we've had some really strong reviews so far, you know, and we'll see 
see how it does, you know? So it's coming out in January. January 10th is supposed to be the drop date. Um, you know, it's probably going to be, it more than likely will be in a warehouse sooner than that, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it'll be back, it'll be in time for like MLK weekend. And, cool. you, know, I, you know, I co-produced like a couple of black comics uh, um, conventions, like one in Harlem and one out here in San Francisco mm-hmm. in the same weekend, mm-hmm. which is nuts as well. Yeah. So <laughs> They're the same weekend as each other? Or the same weekend as that it drops? Same weekend as each, as each other. How do you do that? You like a magician? I am a magician. Uh-huh. In the middle of in the middle of the the, the Harlem convention, mm-hmm. I jump on a plane and I fly to San Francisco. Holy cow! Yeah, I've done this like in two for two years. Wow! Yeah, that's so, so cool. Both. Yeah, and some people who do that craziness with me too, like make that trek. Really? They'll leave because 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 the thing is, like the 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 Harlem con is like Saturday, right? Yeah. The con uh, here is on a Monday, so you could do it. Oh, you know that's saying? so easy. Yeah, you, you have a whole day. Yeah, you jump on. Yeah, you have a kind of a day to, to, and it's always easier to fly this way than it is to fly back, anyways. So, yeah. So when I get back home, I'm just devastated. But you know, the first time I did that, I was, wow. Yeah. That that type of tired, I haven't felt in a long time. Yeah. So, but it was worth it because, like, the the Harlem book, the Harlem festival that we do with the Schomburg on comics and mm-hmm. black blackness and comics, you know, brought in like close to seven thousand people. Wow. Yeah, in a day. So we're probably going to have to break it into like a two-day thing. So, you know, all of my scholarship, all the work that I do, the cultural activism is about, you know, really bringing attention to those images, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, if I have to be tired a little bit and I have to like, you know, sacrifice a little bit, it's just worth it, you know? And, um, I don't know, I just, I just feel that people need to be empowered. They want us, we, everyone needs to see themselves as heroes. I mean, everybody needs to see themselves as that they matter, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and, and, and we're made out of stories. I can't say that all the time. We just keep editing them all the time. And, yeah. You know, it's just, you have to, they have to be in the world, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, um, like, working manifestos in life is trying to uh, help people empower themselves through self-expression. Yeah. And the idea of amplifying people's voices for social change. That's right. And so that's kind of all I want to do. So when I hear about this, I'm like, John, you're doing every single thing with your platform. Do you possibly like the idea that like, you be... get this like platform to reach more people, and then you get to bring them together and amplify their voices? And it's this, awesome. It, it's 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 one of the most beautiful things about creation, and it's like yeah. I want people to empower themselves economically and to see and f- each other and fellowship and like, collaborate and and talk about these things and be better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want it to be. You know. I think that's yeah. what you're doing. I hope so. Okay, well, What's next here. for you? Um, let's see. We're fin- me and Stacey Robinson are finishing up a prison industrial complex for beginners book that was written by James, no big deal. James Braxton Peters. It's for the beginner series. You mm-hmm. know, for like philosophy for beginners. You know? oh. They're great. You know, we that's cool. Really great like marketing people. Yeah. It's cool. We're almost done with it. Comes out in September. Um, I actually finished a lot of drawings here. Um, yeah, it was one of the projects that got disrupted. So I'm finishing up my graphic novella, um, Blue Hand Mojo, uh, Dust to Dust, which is like a supernatural, like noir story that's set in like 1930s Chicago. Cool. It uh, stars the fictitious um, cousin of, uh, of Robert Johnson. It's pretty cool. And then Miss Stacy are also working on a piece with Tony Medina. It's kind of I would call it like a Black Lives Matter like ghost story. Ooh. It's called I Am Alfonso Jones, and mm-hmm. it's by Tony Medina. It's with Lee and Low Books. It's a black and white graphic novel, and mm-hmm. we're I'm in the production of that too. I did a lot of inking on it. 
Uh, I need to catch up on it, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, Comic-Con and stuff kind of disrupted things. You yeah. Know? And actually, we had to go back through that proof and stuff, but once I get back home, I can catch back up on it. So those are the three immediate things, but there are a lot, there's a lot of other stuff, but, you know. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, everybody should get this book. Everybody that, should, here's a, I think everybody should. should pre-order it. <laughs> they should reread Kindred right. now, mm-hmm. or listen to it. I listened to it on Audible. It was great. It was mm-hmm. awesome. It's I mean, really good on Audible. I yeah. do have, like, that woman's voice in my head being like, Dinah, like, yeah, yeah, doing yeah, her, like, yeah, exactly. her yeah, Rufus impression. Right. That's pretty good. <laughs> Hi, Dinah, come over here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that sounds, that's really good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many times I've listened to that? I'm, I'm like, sure. God, it's like, I'm like, I don't know how many times I've listened to Kendrick Day. She's like, Rufus. That was so good. (laughs) But you should re-listen to that now or re-read that now and then Mm pre-order Kindred as adapted by yourself. And what is your partner's name again? Damien Duffy. Damien Duffy. Dr. Damien Duffy. Dr. Damien Duffy. He's got his PhD in library information science. Great. Yeah, he's awesome. Great. Yep. And that's it. Yeah. And then people should look you up. Yeah. And also you're an Eisner winner. Just so people know you're wearing a crown and holding a scepter right now. Yes. You have like a yes, like a, yes. a robe on with like the red with that weird black and white I kind of speckle. I plan to like levitate out just to show off. Yeah. <laughs> you just levitate good. around. I'm still like, what? <laughs> that was so great. Yeah, you should have seen Francis's face too. We were like looking at each other like, what? Just, it was great. I really imagine people like, rah, 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 just people carrying you around. <laughs> no, it was, it was kind of awesome, uh, I have to admit. No, I have, uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, and then two of my favorite folk, you know, Jason Latour and uh, Ron Wimberly were our presenters. You know, That's and so I loved cool. Their st- I love their work a lot, so that was really awesome. Your final question, what's your astrological sign? Do you know? I'm a Scorpio. You're Scorpio. Yep, November 5th. You're the first Scorpio we've had on the podcast. Really? Yes. All right. Thanks for coming on Sagittarian Matters. I don't know. Yeah, so, <laughs> sweet. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.